Some call me Steve, Dad, Husband or Friend. Others might call me Boss, Coach or Mentor. Today you can call me the Leadership Hacker. Thanks for listening in, I really appreciate it. My job as the Leadership Hacker is to hack into the minds, experiences, habits and learning of great leaders, C-suite executives, authors and development experts so that I can assist you developing your understanding and awareness of leadership. I'm Steve Rush and I'm your host today. I'm the author of Leadership Cake, I'm a transformation consultant and leadership coach and can't wait to start sharing all things leadership with you. Joining me on today's show is super coach Richard Medcalf. He's the founder of X Quadrant and he's an executive coach to some of the world's most impressive and successful CEOs and their teams. He's also the host of the Impact Multiplier CEO podcast. But before we get a chance to speak with Richard, it's the Leadership Hacker News. Time is a valuable commodity that should not be wasted. A marketeer is likely to be concerned with both time and money about the value that they create. Luckily, plenty of thought leadership techniques are also available for those who do not mind spending time on their strategy but don't wish to spend a lot of money on marketing. Thought leadership is a leader's best friend for promoting what they do. Recently, iResearch Services, a global thought leadership agency that focused on evidence-based research, published a list of techniques and ideas to help leaders in the space of thought leadership. And I'm just gonna share with you the top four. Be accessible. Thought leadership is about being visible. You can boost your visibility by making yourself accessible to others. Sharing your expertise freely and having your team do the same. Don't be afraid to speak to media outlets or bloggers or write articles. They can all help you get your brand out there and your message to the audience. Always create content. Consistently creating content can take time, but it also can help you build an audience for your brand. Additionally, it can help you create more ideas. Content creation is an excellent way to show that you're aware of your industry, you're aware of the news, and you're aware of what's trending. This can really help you become an industry leader, become more renowned, so that people can see your content and become familiar with who you are and what you stand for. Hone your problem solving skills. Problem solving is a life skill and one you should hone. It shows that you can identify, analyze and solve a problem. It also shows that you're innovative and capable of being an industry leader and helping others solve problems with you demonstrates credibility. Be a leader. Thought leadership is about being a leader in your industry. This means that you should express ideas and take action when the opportunity arises. While you shouldn't strive to jump into every issue or controversy that abounds, you should also not be content to sit on the sidelines, particularly if it concerns your industry. It's all about having balance. So don't be afraid to try any of these techniques for your thought leadership. It'll cost you nothing, it might cost you a bit of time, but you'll get loads of value and you'll learn along the way. So good luck with your thought leadership. That's been the Leadership Hacker News. And we're looking forward to sharing more news as the weeks go by. So please let us know if it's something specific you'd like us to talk about. Joining me on today's show is Richard Medcalf. He's the founder and CEO of X Quadrant. He's an executive coach and coached some of the world's most impressive and successful CEOs. He's also the host of the Impact Multiplier CEO podcast. 
Richard, welcome to the show. Hi, Steve. It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Looking forward to getting into the mindsets behind some of the work that you do and the work that X Quadrant do with you and your clients. But before we do that, we'd love to get the opportunity for our guest to just give a bit of the backstory as to how we arrived doing what we do. So tell us a little bit about Richard. Well, sure. Obviously, talking about myself is my favorite subject. So uh, <laughs> if you've got a spare five hours, strap in and we'll... <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, so my background is that I'm um, a bit of a strange hybrid. I... Um, I like to describe myself sometimes as what you get if you take a kind of a McKinsey consultant, a slightly unorthodox pastor, and an entrepreneur, and you put them in a blender. It's <laughs> interesting. Um, I'm um, I'm a Brit, but I've lived in France now for 22 years. I, I came over um, during my first role. I was uh, my first role having studied at Oxford. Uh, I got my master's degree in, um, there. I saw my, my first role was uh, in strategy consulting. Um, I, um, I was asked by one of the partners in that firm to come over to help him build out the Paris office uh, for a year or two. Sounded like a good idea. And then 22 years later, I'm still here. I married a lovely French uh, lady and uh, have kids and everything else. So um, that was how life evolved. I... And I really enjoyed strategy consulting. I think I have a strategic brain naturally, and um, that all worked really well. I became the youngest ever partner in, in that company, worked with a whole load of really interesting um, clients at board level, um, mainly the tech and telecom space. And then I was headhunted by Cisco just at the point I'd been in the partner role for a couple of years, and I felt you know, perhaps it was time to do something new and keep learning. And so I joined Cisco, um, obviously a huge tech company, um, so I became a smaller fish in a much bigger pond. Um, and cut a long story short, after about 11 years, again, I had a, had a really interesting ride at Cisco. Uh, the last role was in a small team set up by Cisco's CEO to really catalyze board level business initiatives with partners and customers. I like to describe it as fulfilling rash commitments made by the CEO in executive meetings. <laughs> um, Which happens a lot, right? Yeah, so they'd both get excited about, you know, let's do something together in enterprise, you know, Wi-Fi or, I don't know, in Internet of Things or in the cloud or whatever the subject was, and they'd get like, very excited. And then we'd get the phone call to say, okay, there's some excitement at the CEO level, but you now need to help these two organizations find something in that space that is strategically meaningful, operationally feasible, and that both sides actually want to do at the actually mm. operational level. So it was really an interesting role. Um, for various reasons, though, I kind of started to think after a couple of years of that, that, you know, although it was a lot of fun, I'm thinking, you know, what's the legacy I really want to create uh, in, in my career and my life? Uh, wh what do I want to be asking my, what do I want to be telling my great grandchildren uh, when they're on my knee, you know, at age 90 or whatever it is. And um, I realized that although I love creating business results and I still love doing that, I didn't just want to tell my great-grandchildren that I'd helped increase, you know, AT&T's EBITDA margin by 0.5% or whatever. You know, that wasn't yeah. quite enough. <laughs> so I started to really look um, at what did I do uh, really, really well? You know, what was my unique secret source? What... Um, what's the impact that I really wanted to make in the world? Um, and I kind of came to the conclusion that what it was, was uh, helping, uh, helping already competent, successful leaders make an even bigger and more positive impact in the world. And to do that, you have to obviously make a bigger impact in your organization, in your people, and, and on the mission that you're there to, 
there to create. And I think that was really, the, for me, the heart of it was saying, you know, how can I actually help people who have already got a success formula that works really well, as evidenced by their track record? How can I help them reinvent that strategic, um, that, that success formula and think strategically uh, to and, and get past their own fears, perhaps, of change or of failure or of stretching too far to actually create the impact that they can make. And that's really what sets me on fire today. And so I set up X Quadrant a few years back. Uh, it's basically a small uh, boutique coaching and consulting practice where we help um, leaders, generally often CEOs or founders or sometimes other C-suite members, generally of tech firms or firms going through a lot of technology disruption and shifts really help them um, find what their next level of impact is going to be and help them and to do that it's always about thinking more strategically and operating more influentially and that's it got it yeah so the title x quadrant is there something in the name there yeah there's a few things in the name obviously apart from the fact that the domain name is available which is generally the main <laughs> reason always, people sort a of good business, start right yeah there's a few things so yeah um the first one is a, a bit of a you know, a nod, right? To you know, consultants love drawing two by two matrices and drawing an X in the top, um, the, the top right corner to say that's where you need to be. And so, first of all, it kind of speaks to ambition, right? Um, the second one is is often insight is found when we when we realise that it's not an either or choice in front of us, but there's perhaps a new option that allows us to do both things. Hmm. Right. So, you know, we either support our team or we challenge our team. Well, you know, what happens if we created an environment where we really support them with high support, but we also create really high challenge. Right. Suddenly something feels like feels like an either or becomes a both and. Yeah. And that is also kind of, if you like, what that X on that two by two represents to me. And the final reason for X quadrant is the X stands for multiplication. And this is really key for me. It's easy, in a sense, to continually add value and play the game of being incremental. But I'm really interested in uh, what does multiplication look like, right? How do we create an exponential curve for people where uh, behind us it looks flat and ahead of us it looks uh, vertical mm. because we're on such a curve? And that's what excites me. I like that. Really nice. So when we're talking around exponential and matrices, from the last conversation you and I had, I'm going to be talking about a lot of execs get stuck in this productivity paradigm. Mm. So tell us a little bit about what that really means and how I might get out of it. Yeah. So uh, the name I like to use for this paradigm is the infinity trap, actually. <laughs> so the infinity yeah. trap is you know, we live in a world of infinity, right? There's an infinite number of tasks, of people, of content out there. So there's always more to do and we just can't get through it, right? The more think, more books we buy, the more recommendations on books we get, the more emails we reply to, the more emails we get back. Uh, it's never ending, right? And, and so we can't use productivity to break out of that because you can't defeat infinity with productivity. There's always more to do. Mm. And so the infinity trap, and, and I see it all around, and is is just for people going you know i'm crazy busy or even i'm good busy but the people are so so focused they're running they're, they're perhaps very clear on what what they're trying to achieve actually but they've got their heads down trying to achieve it and so what happens is they haven't got enough time to think they know they're not really thinking about the all the big issues around them they they've got tunnel vision in fact so in a sense they are might be really focused 
but perhaps they've even lost serendipity from their lives, lost a bit of randomness or lost um, a bit of bigger context. So it, it will show us up in different people in different ways. Yeah. But I think uh, the infinity trap is really where we're running fast. It feels good. We kind of feel that we are making progress. We kind of feel that we're perhaps um, being the super leader in our organization and, you know, lifting things on our shoulders and, and everything else. And we know it kind of works in a sense, but actually progress is becoming incremental at this point. Yeah. And we can't see it. However, I guess the, the flip side of that is we still need to keep productive and improve productivity where we can. And I remember, again, from the conversation we had before, this is around, there aren't any real productivity hacks. It starts with yourself and it actually starts with shifting your mindset. Mm. From your experience, what's playing out there? Yeah, so obviously there are things we can do to kind of organize ourselves and, and do things differently um, and create an environment around us that's conducive to to the work we need to do and all those things, right? But I think the the fundamental limits to all that are it's what we believe, right? It's what we believe is necessary, desirable, or achievable, possible around things. Um, it depends on the self-image we have, right? How do we achieve things? How do we get things done, right? What has to be true for us to succeed? What is success? All these things actually shape us. So let me give you an example. Um, a couple of examples come to mind. Let me just start with this one. I was talking with a uh, an exec who just been promoted to board level in a... 7,000 person firm. It's a pretty big firm. And he'd um, got operations around 20 different countries. And I was being asked to help him really onboard into this executive role on into the C-suite and maximize his impact as he does that. He was clearly a, a high performer. People loved him, but he, he knew he wanted to uh, play a bigger game. And so we identified together a couple of big transformational projects that he was going to um, champion throughout the business, things that had never been done before on a global scale and they were really going to move the needle. And he was very excited about this and the, every, all the stakeholders were excited and, and he was working on them and making some great progress. And then one day he came to me and said, you know, Richard, I'm just stuck in my email. You know, I'm just, I'm just like, I'm not getting enough time to work on these projects. They're not going as fast as I wanted. And um, so I kind of asked him, well, why is that? You know, why, why are you spending so much time in your email? Well, he says, well, you know, I just want to be a good team player. I want to be trustworthy and reliable. I don't want to be the guy that people have to chase up. I don't want to be that person, right? The one who never replies to emails, who is a bottleneck for everybody else, uh, who's not pulling their weight in the team. And indeed, he was a very, he was a people person, right? He really wanted to do his best with, with people. And, um, and so I stopped and, you know, he was asking me for a tip, you know, Richard, what tips can you give me about email? And I said, well, you know, if, you, if you're coming to me for a tip, it's probably a waste of your money, right? You can probably Google, Google the tip, right? I don't think that's what you need from me. Um, in fact, I can just tell you that whatever tip I did give you, you wouldn't do anything with right now. I can't help you on that level. And he was like, what do you mean you can't, you can't help? I said, well, you've just told me that the reason you do your email and you spend so much time there is because you want to be reliable and trustworthy and a team player. So I'm not going to tell you to be an unreliable, untrustworthy, non-team player. You're never going to buy it. Uh, so it's like, ah, well, that's a good point. So I said, well, let, let me find another way. If the CEO was in the room with you, what would he be asking you for? And he had to think. And he said, well, yeah, work on those big transformational projects. because He's really excited about the benefits that's going to bring. Okay. What about the, um, the investors? What, what would they be asking for if you're in, in one of those board meetings? Oh, well, I guess the same thing, I suppose, because that's going to make a, a really big difference on our, on our financials if we, uh, if we can shift the employee experience in this way. 
Okay. What about the what about the employees themselves? Then what about the team? What you know? What do they most want you to be doing if they could be in this room with us right now? And he, he thought. And he said, "Well, I guess the same thing, right, Richard? The these same projects because they're sick and tired of the old ways of working and the inefficiencies that we've been working with. And what about customers? If they they could talk to us, what would they be telling us?" And he said, "Well, it, they won't know so much because it's a bit of an internal project, transformation project. But I guess it'd be the same kind of thing." Uh, because if the employees can focus less on internal admin, they can spend more time with with the customers and solving customer issues. So I said, okay, so at this point, you're telling me that all these different stakeholders really want you to focus on these two or three transformational projects. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so let me put it to you that you're being untrustworthy, unreliable, and not a team player when you are busy getting to inbox zero, you know, and 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 managing all these in, inbound requests. And of course, at this point, the, you know, this point, mm -hmm. the penny drops, right? And he's like, oh, you're right. Like, this is not who I am anymore, right? This is, I, I need to be playing a different game. And so at that point, he didn't need me to tell him how to set up a filter in Gmail, right? Or how to turn his notifications off. Um, although those things always help, right? And I'm a strong believer in turning notifications off, right? I mean, the, the, these, are, um, these are proven things. But the key shift was in that identity, you know, thinking actually, what is the trustworthy and reliable thing for me to do? Yeah. And then choosing that right identity creates the right behaviors and beliefs that come with it, right? Yeah, exactly. I was working with somebody else and uh, uh, he was explaining how he couldn't possibly delegate to his team because had, things had to be done at a certain level of, 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 you know, of quality and he really wasn't sure his team was able to do it. So I just kind of made up a concept on the fly and said, oh, so you're telling me you being the high-performing janitor then. You want to be the high-performing janitor, you know, wiping those floor tiles to perfection um, whilst there's a business to be running. <laughs> and again, it's just a little hack, you know, it's like, I oh, know, you're right. Mm. Perhaps I'm focusing on doing, doing low-level tasks incredibly well. Yeah. And perhaps not getting on into the messy business of working on the, the big issues. Yeah, which I'm not quite so certain on. And again, it's these kind of shifts that when you make the shift, then the productivity stuff finds its natural flow. And the story you just shared, ironically, is not, you know, an isolated incident. You get a lot of people, certainly at the senior level, also getting drawn into those menial tasks. Really? From your perspective, then, Richard, what would be the reason that many executives find them and this is not exclusive to executives by the way mm. this could be you know junior team leader right the way through to really? senior executives well i think most people will struggle with this what's the reason we then struggle to prioritize in the right way typically i mean there, there are actually a bunch of possible reasons but i think some of the common ones are um you know number one is instant gratification and the comfort zone in other words things that we just have things put in front of us that we deal with so you know if you're always getting notified by your email then it's easy just to deal with emails as they come because they give you instant gratification right it's not the important work necessarily but it, it's something so i think that's part of it um i think the comfort zone is another right in other words we there are some areas of some areas that we, we know how to do pretty well but those are probably areas which actually are not the cutting edge of the work that we need to do but on the other hand, we do know that we add value when we do them. Yeah. So there's a bit of fear. I may as well just do the things that I'm really good at. And I know that's going to do some benefit, <laughs> right? Rather than tackle this kind of other stuff, which I probably should be doing. Um, but it's a bit less clear. And that's really the third point is ambiguity, right? I think the we don't often take the time to really define what are those higher value tasks? 
right? Exactly. And exactly how, if I had five minutes, how would I actually proceed on them? Once we can define how you'd spend five minutes, then it's quite easy to do that five minute task. But if it's like, I'm just need to do some strategic thinking, I mean, where'd you begin on that? Right? It's, it's really difficult. So, um, so I think that mixture of that kind of comfort zone, self, you know, instant gratification, and then this kind of fear and ambiguity on what are these higher value tasks that we want to be doing. Uh, but all those things play together. And there's some chemical reactions that go on with us as individuals that happen there. This is, this is not just a kind of an instinct. There's some, mm. that, that instant gratification, you know, gives us that dopamine rush. Yeah. It makes us feel good in that moment. And therefore, chemically, we're also drawn to those quick hits yeah. rather than the other chemical reactions that come with uncertainty and fear and challenge that can sometimes hold us back as well, right? Yeah, exactly. So it's also important to try to hack those um, those emotions a little bit, right? And and celebrate when you start to feel those, right? Mm. <laughs> so yeah, you know, I actually, you know, I'm I'm doing something where it's, you know, I've defined something that was a bit ambiguous, like give yourself a fist pump, right? Actually reward yourself for making a dent in those ambiguous, fluffy areas that are actually the important ones. Yeah. And you mentioned strategic thinking there as part of that kind of role that we all have. And, mm. and strategic thinking is quite overplayed in my experience. I'd love to get your spin on this, by the way. So for me, strategic thinking is just about thinking about what we don't know yet and thinking about what we don't know that we can then translate to what we actually do know. And again, role mm. agnostic, whether you're a junior team leader or a C-suite executive, it's all of our responsibilities to think that way. Mm. What's your experience about how strategic thinking plays out in our workplace these days? Yeah, I mean, there's, you're right. I mean, there's a couple of ways you can look at strategic thinking, right? I mean, I think there, for me, strategic thinking actually is a laser, right? Or it's, it's, it's a lens, Right. For me, it's a lens that focuses us in, right? So where do we put our focus and our attention? Um, what are the subjects where we need to focus? So that's part of it. And I think the other part is, is the more diffuse one, as you said, which is like, what is it in the environment? What are the factors that I'm not, that we're not folding in at this point? And I think those, those are both important ways to look at it, right? But I mean, but for me, the most pragmatic way almost is to think about, um, there's a book right called the one thing and it's quite a helpful question they ask which is you know what's the one thing that if we were to achieve that would make everything else easier or irrelevant it's a great question isn't it and i think just focusing on that so what's the one thing right now that we most need to do right what's you know just i think that's just a really simple way of thinking about uh about this yeah um and because that acts as that acts of that lens right that focus um my particular angle on strategic thinking is, I suppose I kind of call it exponential leadership, right? So I'm always thinking, you know, how do we multiply impact rather than add value? How do we multiply value, not add value? How do we, how do we multiply things? And, and the way to think about that is what's the constraint, right? Where is the, what's the constraint in the system in which we're operating at the moment? Um, and I've, there's, there's probably more than we can get into right now on, on that and like exactly all the constraints. You know, but for example, you know, um, we have limited time, we have limited attention, we have limited resources. You know, there are these kind of things. Um, um, we might have limited ambition, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and we need to understand, like, what's the constraint in me personally as a leader and also in the organization? Um, and again, the, the goal here is to find what's the one area that if we were to 
address and improve would allow this whole system, this business, for example, to kind of expand up to the next level of impact or to the next level of results. And for me, that's kind of the, the, the question. So it's about rather than just turning the handle on the machine, it's trying to step back and look at the machine and it's, you know, that, that we've, we've built and think about, you know, what's the one thing that's holding back performance? Um, just a little point on, on that. If people are interested in this idea of uh, exponential leadership and moving from a more of an incremental to more of a multiplicative mindset, I've actually written um, uh, a short email series of about, I think, six emails. And um, people on my newsletter have just been going through them. And I've been, have, I think I've had more feedback on that one email series than anything else I've ever written. Um, so it's really uh, resonating with people. It's called the Exponential Leadership Principles. Um, and it sort of, it walks through, you know, these different constraints and what you can do to overcome them. Um, if people are interested, they can just go to xquadrant.com slash hacker. Uh, is a simple way for them to find their way there from this podcast we'll also make sure that links in the, the show notes because as you said this, it's just a simple process that gets people to think and reflect and that's half the challenge isn't it with strategic thinking it's giving yourself the capacity the time mm. that you need to be thoughtful about what it is you're doing yeah because one insight can change anything right everything it's one insight can certainly make us see the world in a new way see the options we have differently see what's not working that we're spending so much time on or whatever it is and so often just having it's just encountering new ideas new people having new conversations um that opens us up right to get onto a different trajectory yeah absolutely right yeah now you managed to interview some of the world's largest ceos and the impact multiplier podcast and it's really interesting to dive into and i've listened to Mm. quite a few of your episodes now and they all bring different perspectives and different stories but there are still some commonalities and mm. i'm sure you find as i do with many of our guests that there are some common themes from your perspective in having those conversations Richard, what do you say is there may be the most common challenge that keeps representing itself in and amongst these ceos and executives yeah i've seen this yeah i write on the podcast and in my own work with these kind of leaders i think um Actually, there's a couple of things on trends. I mean, as a bonus point, I'd almost say one of the things I've really seen as a success um, component, actually, as a theme, um, you know, is A, genuinely being interested in people, right? Um, and, and, and B, really thinking about creating structures that multiply, in fact, right? Actually, we, I interviewed some of the, you know, the, the CEOs of the fastest growing companies in Europe and in the US, and like their, their common refrain was how they pushed down decision-making responsibility, created independent little entities, you know, and, and empowered leaders who could build their own sub parts of the business. Yeah. Really, really interesting. In terms of the challenges, I mean, I suppose what I really see is, um, I think there's an internal challenge actually in a lot of people, which is even at that level, it's about confidence and imposter syndrome and all those things. That's always there. Yeah. Um, there is, that kind of focus challenge of getting out the weeds i think you know they all say you know my next level is going to involve me leaving behind even more operational tasks right uh trusting my team even more focusing even more on some of the new areas perhaps it's you know some an acquisition plan they want to roll out or, or whatever it is and so continuing to get out the weeds and focus on higher level tasks and then i think the third one is that one around um nailing the critical conversations so you know, leadership is delivered one conversation at a time. And 
you can have all the plans and strategies you want, but actually just slowing down to master that one conversation with that one report, that one stakeholder, that whoever it is, bringing, getting, perhaps bringing them on board uh, to what you're trying to achieve is really important. And so I think those, those perhaps those three areas that, you know, the inner game of confidence, the kind of higher level activities and those critical conversations would be mm. the three themes that I see come up. Awesome. Yeah, good. And um, delighted you've been able to share those. Now, however, I'm going to turn the tables a bit and hack into your top thinking and your top tips for the future. And I know that we kind of, when we think about tips and, and hacks and ideas, people kind of have this different perspective about what they mean. And in essence, hacking for me is just shortcutting into your great thinking. Mm. So if you think about your career as a leader and what you do now, if you had to kind of get them into your your top three mm. tips or hacks, what would they be? Number one would be play the long game, which means they'll always be so transactional, right? It's easy to kind of get transactional uh, and just focus on the thing in front of you, but you know, build relationships for the long term. Um, think about where you want to be, you, you know, a little bit longer than the next year or the next quarter. Uh, play the long game, right? And um, and and build build relationships that that last right so that'd be number one the second one would be go in the direction of your discomfort see see the discomfort zone is where you learn uh is, is where you grow and therefore treat imposter syndrome as a feature and not a bug in other words when you're feeling imposter syndrome it generally means that your confidence is lagging your competency in fact uh, and it also means that you are you are actually playing a bigger game, right? You're pushing yourself. You are seeking to add more value. And as a result, it feels a little bit um, uncomfortable. So I think that second one, go in the direction of your discomfort. I love that. And then I think the third one would be, I guess it comes back to what I talked about earlier, is focus on the key constraint. Think about multiplication and not addition. Um, goes back to that, yeah, that, that, that email course I mentioned. Um, goes back to that thinking around um yeah how do i you know how do i stop just using my time doing the same tasks time and time again and how do i invest my time yeah to remove constraints three fantastic hacks i particularly love the idea of playing the long game i guarantee many people listening to this will be going ah because we often don't think long game we think mm. you know this quarter this year next year but actually, it's all part of the long game, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's what I said. Like, I, I, I thought about what, where do I want to be when I'm uh, 90? You know? Yeah. Um, one thing I love to ask my clients, you know, is what's so important to you that you have to 100 exit? What really matters, right? What do you really want at 100x? Um, so for me, for example, I was like, well, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if I could 100x, yeah, the number of leaders who really point to me as a real um, catalyst for the impact that they've had in the world, right? As, as somebody who's really helped them 100x their impact. So I'm on a mission, you know, I'm saying, let's, let's actually do that for 100 leaders, right? Let's actually 100x the impact of 100 leaders. That'd be a fantastic legacy. Mm. So that's what I'm excited about. But play the long game. Think about what would that 25-year 25 25-year 25 vision be? What would, be, uh, what would bring a, a silly grin to your face? because it's so exciting yet a bit embarrassing because you're not sure how you're going to do it. Yeah. Um, my unconscious thinking now is just 
whirring and ticking as, I, as I'm thinking <laughs> about my own long game. So I'm hoping that it's inspiring our listeners in the same way. Next part of the show, Richard, we call Hack to Attack. So this is affectionately where we dive into something in your life or work that has not worked out as you'd planned. Could have been a complete catastrophe. It could have been a minor hiccup. But as a result of that event, it's now serving you well as a learning in your life or work. What would be your hack to attack? Yeah, I think I think um, when I look at my time at Cisco, um, I think there was a period of that time. And perhaps it was OK. It was just life. But. I look back at it as a bit, there was a bit of a time in that, in that 10 year period where I think I stagnated a little bit. Um, I, my kids were very young. I was in my comfort zone, shall we say, right? So I was delivering, I was performing, people liked my work, but I think I, had, I was not necessarily growing uh, and not necessarily increasing my impact for a period. Uh, and looking back, I felt that's a bit of a missed opportunity because just like putting money in the bank, you know, things compound over time, right? If you want to play an exponential game, things compound over time. Um, one example that's recently come to my mind is, um, you know, dominoes, right? If you put, if you put dominoes, line up dominoes and you knock the first one over, it can knock over another domino that's 50% bigger than itself. Mm. And then that one can knock over another domino that's 50% bigger. And that's again, exponential, right? And so I think I got into a time at Cisco where my dominoes were all the same size, shall we say, mm. <laughs> right? Yeah. And um, and it was okay, but I think it, it, that also started to kind of, um, I got to I think, a stage where I realized that perhaps I'd missed some opportunities. And again, I had a good career, right? And I made a good thing. And I got into this amazing team that was, you know, reporting into the CEO. And so it wasn't a bad moment, but I think there was, there was a within that before I got into that team, there was a phase where, um, perhaps I wasn't making the most of the opportunities that I've been presented with. It wasn't my eye on the ball. And so I think that's something I've really thought about now is like invest in myself, you know, um, and reinvent. I think probably reinvent is probably the best word, right? So we always, I always say to people, what's your Madonna moment? You know, Madonna <laughs> you know, turns <laughs> up and she's like, we got a new style and, you know, whatever it is, uh, or any of the, you know, any other rock band or pop star who's been around for a long time and most of them um have had moments where they've reinvented themselves and they've changed things up that's right yeah. and um you know, i did that when i when i left cisco you know i changed things up um and it's it's worked really really well and i think continuing to reinvent ourselves not to leave things behind actually so we think we're leaving things behind but we don't we just build upon them mm. right and we um and we 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 add to ourselves, we become more multifaceted. And I think that's what I would say. So reinvent, uh, reinvent ourselves. Yeah. Get stuck. Cool. Now the last part of the show, we've affectionately become used to giving our guests some time to do some time travel mm. and you get to go and bump into Richard at 21 and give him some words of wisdom. What would your advice to Richard at 21 be? I think, um, I think I'd say read self development books um, invest in yourself more generally. Never be scared of investing in yourself. Don't always wait for your company to do the investing in yourself. Um, and always be wary of the comfort zone. And I kind of knew that in some ways. Um, but I think um, all those things I kind of learned more and more over time. Yeah. So now I invest in myself more than, you know, more than, more than ever by, by orders of magnitude. I remember when I was in the corporate world, 
I was invited to go to a conference by a friend who was, who was running the conference. I knew it was going to be a really, really good conference, but I didn't go because I had to pay for like a 200 euro, you know, Eurostar ticket or something, right? <laughs> the company wasn't going to pay. And so I said, oh, I'm not going to go then. It's just and ridiculous, right? I mean, and nowadays I write checks for, you know, five figure checks, right? I wrote a check for $25,000 the other, you know, <laughs> the other day for my own self-development, right? Because it's so important. Yeah. And yet, you know, there I was in a well-paid corporate job, and even spending a few hundred euros seemed like a bit of a bit of an ask. It's completely yeah. ridiculous. So invest in ourselves. It's the best investment we can make. Great advice. So what's next for Richard and next quadrant then? Well, um, there's quite a few things. I, I'm this year um we're kicking off a CEO mastermind group. I've got um a, a group of really, really uh, incredible uh, CEOs running some of them are running kind of startups, scale-ups, uh, some of them got billion-dollar companies um, in the US and in Europe um, and other places around the world. And we're, um, we're we're creating that community, which is really, really exciting because, you know, iron sharpens iron, right? You know, you, you get these really incredible leaders together, often of whom they don't get enough of that um, uh, peer input. And, um, and that's a really exciting group. And then um, I'm also doing another uh, another program for kind of the um, slightly lower level leaders as well, but another another kind of community for them called X Quadrant Core. We kicked off the first session of that uh, a couple of weeks ago, and that was a really strong uh, start as well. So there's a couple of the kind of programs I've been up to, um, and um, moreover, what I'm focused on is that mission, right, of helping 100 top leaders multiply their impact by 100. That's what gets me out of bed. Yeah, awesome. And if we wanted to connect our audience with you beyond today, we know we've got that one link that we shared a little earlier, but where's the best place for us to send them? Yes, yeah, so absolutely. So obviously, if you go to xquadrant.com slash hacker, that's going to um, be a blog post. You can sign up at the bottom to my email newsletter, the, ins- the X Quadrant Insider, which is where basically once a month I I, I talk about something um, around this whole idea of multiplying impact. Uh, and you can deep dive into different topics if you're interested at, at that point. Um, the podcast you mentioned as well, right? The Impact and Multiplier CEO podcast, where I uh, interview some really interesting uh, um, business leaders. Um, and obviously people are always happy to look me up on LinkedIn. Um, just if you send me an invitation request, just put in the, just customize your message so that I know why you're connecting and where you found me. And uh, I'm always happy to, to have a conversation, right? Because play the long game build interesting relationships with interesting people um add value and generally good things come back to you over time when you when you take that approach and we'll help people play that long game by making sure those links are in our show notes as well that's perfect richard i've really enjoyed chatting with you and i'm looking forward to you and i working together in the future and uh, i'm really looking forward to letting our audience find out a little bit more about the work that you do and explore some great things together. Thanks for being part of our Leadership Hacker community, Richard. You're welcome. It's been fantastic. Thanks very much. I want to sign off by saying a thank you to you for joining us on the show too. We recognize without you, there is no show. So please continue to share, subscribe and like, and continue to get in touch with us with the great news stories that we share every week. And so that we can continue to bring you great stories please make sure you give us a five-star review where you can and share this podcast with your friends, your teams, any communities. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Leadership Hacker, Leadership Hacker on YouTube and on Instagram, the underscore leadership underscore hacker. And if that wasn't enough, you can also find us on our website, leadership-hacker.com. 
Tune in to next episode to find out what great hacks and stories are coming your way. That's me signing off. I'm Steve Rush, and I've been your Leadership Hacker.